the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends, and thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. We're now in the throes of the Advent Christmas season, the last Sunday in November, having kicked off this four-week prelude that, for us 21st century Christians, actually helps us prepare for what's now referred to as Christmas. We're now in the second week of this Advent Christmas season, and perhaps you're a newbie to the concept of Advent. As I've shared, I had the privilege of growing up in a mainline Christian denomination that celebrated the annual cycle of the Christian year, with one of my favorite times of the year being the Christmas season. Friends, traditionally, these four weeks leading up to Christmas Day are referred to as Advent, which is actually a pretty cool word. Our English word comes from the Latin word Adventus and originally stood for the arrival or coming of a notable person, thing, or event. For Christians, the foremost common focuses for these weekly celebrations have been hope, peace, love, and joy. However, they are certainly not limited to these particular themes. Other themes have been suggested and used. Well, in this year's Advent Christmas series, Christmas, Something New Was Brewing on Planet Earth, today's installment, Part 2, is called First Contact. We'll be profiling Zechariah's and Mary's responses to the special announcement that came to them recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And friends, as sort of a preamble to our session today, let's realize that God didn't come to simply visit us in the person of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ, if you will, but he came to bring something. Recall Jesus' own words in Luke 19. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And his words in John 10.10, I have come that they might have life, in other words, eternal life, and have it to the full. 
sadly a text that has been brutalized by many in the church today. So, life, eternal life, not just a life that has duration, but a life that has dimension, a life that not only possesses salvation for our souls, you know, salvation from our sins, but life that provides spiritual satisfaction now. In other words, the satisfying of our spiritual hunger and the quenching of our spiritual thirst. Well, friends, as I said, Luke chapter 1 introduces us to Zechariah, beginning at verse 5, which also provides us with both the political and religious setting for what is about to take place. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Zechariah was on duty and serving as a priest before God, and by lot was chosen to go into the temple and burn incense. Luke's account then goes on to inform us that when the burning of incense came, the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born." He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years." The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news, and now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak. They realized he had seen a vision, for he kept making signs to them. When his service was complete, he returned home. His wife Elizabeth became pregnant and remained in seclusion for five months. She said, The Lord has done this for me. He has showed his favor in these days and has taken away my disgrace among the people. For now, Luke ends this portion of Zechariah's and Elizabeth's story, but he picks the story up again in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, informing us that the angel Gabriel was again dispatched, but this time to Nazareth, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And we all know, right, friends, who this virgin is. Luke continues by informing us that the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel said to her, Greetings, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled by his words and wondered what kind of greeting this was. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who couldn't conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. So Mary answered Gabriel, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Friends, finally, after 400 or so years of divine silence, the anxiously awaiting and wondering Jewish people are handed a new script. They had been sustained only by the glimmer of hope that a Messiah was predicted long ago, some 700 years, through prophets like Isaiah and Micah. But now... Something new was brewing on planet Earth. Last time I proposed to you that the first Christmas signaled a season of newness in God's redemptive plan that brought salvation to fallen humanity. Today and next time I'm going to compare and contrast some of the responses of the actors and actresses who have stepped onto the stage of this great and wonderful drama we've come to know as the Christmas story. The sequence laid out in Scripture suggests that when the curtain opens, Act 1 begins with Zechariah in the temple, performing his customary duty of burning incense in the presence of God. As we saw today through Luke's eyes, Zechariah is the first recipient of the angel's prophetic announcement. And friends, six months later, Mary, Joseph's fiance, becomes the second recipient of Gabriel's prophetic announcement, a profound announcement that she will be the mother of the Son of God, Yeshua, we know him as Jesus, who is to be the long-awaited Messiah. Now, what I find most illuminating about Luke chapter 1, friends, is that when we put Zechariah's encounter side by side with Mary's encounter, an interesting pattern unfolds. And in this act of the Christmas drama, we discover lessons that extend way beyond the immediacy of the Christmas drama, lessons we can apply to our lives in the here and now, 2,000 years after the first Christmas. Remember, friends, God was inaugurating a new order in the world. Old things were really about to pass away, and something new had really come. Zechariah and Elizabeth were among the very first to be impacted by this season of newness. You see, friends, their priestly descent made them prime examples of the best the old order had to offer. Their prime years of service to God occurred under the Old Testament order. But something new was brewing on planet Earth, and Zechariah's and Mary's season of newness opens Act One of the Christmas drama 
with their responses to the angelic visitations and announcements. Now, friends, imagine with me for a moment a piece of standard stationary paper divided in half with Zechariah's stats on the left and Mary's stats on the right. The first thing I want us to notice is the contrast or difference in age. Zechariah is old and a seasoned religious man, a priest, in fact, with ministry duties that placed him in the public eye. He was likely spiritually mature when it came to the scriptures. On the other hand, we have Mary, a poor, common, young girl who might be as young as 12 years old. She is spiritually young and likely young in the scriptures as well. But we know that she had to be somewhat learned in her Hebrew scriptures, since in Luke one forty-six through 53 her song, sometimes referred to as the Magnificat, contains allusions to over 25 scripture references from Habakkuk, the Psalms, the Proverbs, portions of the Torah, and the Prophets. Friends, I'd like to recommend that a wonderfully illuminating exercise would be comparing Mary's song in Luke 1, 46-53 to Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel 2, 1-10, noting the similarities. Now, a second contrast between Zechariah and Mary is how they were each chosen for their mission. In Luke 1, 8 and 9, Zechariah was chosen by Lot, according to the Old Testament system or law. But in Luke 1, 30, it is clear that Mary was chosen by grace. The angel told Mary she had found favor with God. Favor has as its root grace. Well, a third contrast between Zechariah and Mary that I want us to notice is that Zechariah did not believe the angel's announcement. How do we know this? We know this by the angel's judgment on Zechariah, which included these words, You will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words. On the other hand, the angel's response to Mary shows us that all Mary needed was more information. Mary's question to the angel represented the innocent inquiry of a young, inexperienced, God-fearing girl. And Mary's recorded final response makes it clear she believed the news the angel brought her. In Luke one thirty-eight, Mary answers, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And just a quick addition here, friends. Notice the angel blesses Mary and judges Zechariah. But I propose to you that the angel's judgment pronounced upon Zechariah wasn't a harsh treatment. Let's take a moment and remind ourselves of the spiritual age difference aside from the natural age difference. Zechariah was a mature man, schooled in his priestly duties and in the ministry of priestly service for some time. His knowledge of scripture should have given him a foundation of faith to believe the angel's words. Plus, consider the difference in the fear each had. Zechariah's fear gripped him, the text says, 
whereas Mary was simply troubled, and her fear was more rooted in wonder. And the angel supplied the answer to her wonder by telling her that she had found favor with God. You see, friends, at first glance, we might conclude that Zechariah's expression of doubt and Mary's question arise from the same root reaction. But nothing could be further from the truth. Upon closer inspection, however, their questioning is different in both meaning and spirit. Zechariah's response reveals the lack of faith on the part of a seasoned spiritual leader, whereas Mary's response represents the inquisitiveness of innocence, in other words, childlike faith. Recall Jesus' own words in Matthew eighteen three and 4. Unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, Zechariah asks for a sign or proof, evidence for what the angel predicted, but Mary, out of genuine curiosity and inquisitiveness, sought to know by what means the angel's prediction was going to be fulfilled. And another important distinction, friends, is found in the miracle that was prophesied. In Zechariah's case, the miracle was one of quickening or enabling a natural process for two people past the age of producing a child. But in Mary's case, the miracle was one which has continued to stagger the imagination of the greatest thinkers and theologians throughout church history, a virgin birth through the agency of the Holy Spirit. This is the great mystery of the divine incarnation, God taking on human flesh. Well, let's pause here for a moment, friends. If you tuned in late, you're listening to A Word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I want to take a moment and let you know how valuable you are as listeners to A Word from the Word. This program is 100% listener-supported. Your financial partnership is essential to help keep this program on the air, which disciples many Christians who are without a church home and those who have been wounded by the institute institutional church. You can join forces with A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at a word from the word at minister.com. And friends, I'll repeat this info at the end of today's broadcast. Well, let's get back to Zechariah and Mary, because a fourth contrast between them is the final outcome of their encounter. Zechariah was disciplined and silenced by the angel and lost his freedom to speak and praise the Lord for his gracious provision of a child for Elizabeth, whereas Mary was blessed by the angel and was therefore free to vocalize her acceptance and praise for the Lord's miracle in her by composing and singing the song recorded in Luke one forty six through 55 So, friends, here's another lesson wrapped up in this Christmas drama for us to weigh in on. Saying yes to God involves sacrifice. Mary endured the doubts of her fiancé and the scorn of neighbors who saw her pregnant before marriage. Saying yes meant bearing the pain of childbirth. It meant later fleeing to a far-off country, Egypt, to protect her baby from Herod's executioners. It meant raising a child she didn't completely understand. Remember the time she had to come and take charge 
charge of Jesus, thinking he was out of his mind? But hardest of all, it meant watching her son be crucified on the cross. Our last glimpse of Mary, however, shows her among the disciples after the resurrection, praying for the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised. Mary began her relationship with baby Jesus by holding his tiny form in her arms. But in the end, she realized that she must let Jesus hold her. He was not only her child, he was her Lord. To that as well, Mary said yes. Well, friends, let's unwrap the spiritual application for us today. I mentioned earlier that on this stage of the Christmas drama, there are lessons for us that extend way beyond the immediacy of the first Christmas story, lessons that we can apply in and to our lives in the here and now, some 2,000 years later. You see, friends, we sometimes have to shake sense into ourselves and realize that Zechariah and Mary were real people with real faith who wrestled with God's will and plan in their lives. They were both confronted with the demise of an old era and the dawn of a new era of revelation from God. They both had to come to the realization and accept that something new was brewing on planet Earth, and God, through his messenger, the angel Gabriel, made first contact with them. Authors Philip Yancey and Tim Stafford, in their personal reflections on Zechariah and Mary, pose some good questions for us to think about. Think about a time in your life when an old error ended and something new began. Perhaps a move, a marriage, a first child, an unexpected child, a new job, the loss of a job or unplanned job change, a new experience with the Lord. What made or makes this change difficult? What made or makes this change joyful? How was or is God involved? If God did bring a new experience into your life, would you respond like Zechariah or like Mary? Ultimately, friends, these questions fit neatly under an umbrella question, one suggesting a bigger picture. How would I respond to God's call to be a part of his plan? What if something new arrived on your doorstep, so to speak, coming from God, announcing a new course of action on your part, a change that maybe you haven't been anticipating, a change that takes you totally by surprise? Well, friends, one of the great aspects of the the Advent season is being able to reenact the anticipation of the arrival of the Messiah. These weeks of preparation actually serve to cultivate in us a sense of anticipating new things from God and not getting stuck always doing the same things in the same ways. Do you know what the six most destructive words in the church are? We've always done it that way. This also makes me recall the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, yet expecting different results. How about the famous saying by Mark Twain, and I love this one, the only person who likes change is a wet baby. Perhaps we should be wondering if something new is brewing on planet Earth 
for us right here, right now. Perhaps there's something new God wants us to consider as 2022 is closing out and 2023 is right around the corner. Perhaps we should be more conscientious about making sure these Advent weeks recapture the true meaning of Christmas, not only in our individual lives, but in our families and in our church lives. Perhaps we need to be more proactive in preventing this season's holiday and its spiritual reality not unwittingly get torn away. After all, the Jewish people in the first century, in that first Advent, were anticipating and expecting and longing for the coming or arrival of their promised Messiah. As I've proposed, I think they were salivating for him. They could taste him. Perhaps now in our 21st century and in our annual cycle of celebrating the Advent Christmas season, we should be developing an individual family, or even a church strategy for properly preparing the rooms in our hearts for the coming of Jesus into the world. Perhaps a fitting prayer for this week might be, and let's pray this prayer for ourselves, Lord, may the people walking in darkness see the light of Christ in us this season. May they come to realize that the baby Jesus is also the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In the ancient city of David, there was born for us a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Grant us the courage to share this good news that you made personal contact with us and brought us something, salvation, forgiveness, and new life. The old has passed away and a new life has come. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program, and our engineer will be closing out our session with an email where you may write me with your feedback on this program or any prior programs you have listened to. This email will also be where you can inquire about how to financially help keep a word from the word on the air. And thanks to those of you who've already become financial partners of this weekly broadcast, I truly appreciate your faithful and generous support. I love coming alongside those of you without a church home or who have been wounded by the institutional church. All podcasts may be accessed freely at faithtalk1360.com. That's faithtalk 1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts and then scroll to a word from the word. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com that's a word from the word at minister.com three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.